Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's in full swing. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, you're on online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining into the pod it is a friday the weekend is here and we've got bears rams coming up on monday night football in week seven so to talk about it today i'm bringing on two betting experts themselves this is from the believe in la football the betting experts of los angeles chris lewert and sam maxwell chris how are you doing today i'm doing well we're tossing around that expert word probably a little too liberally but joey do you know what's better than football on a sunday Football on a Monday night? No, cream of chicken soup with rice. Oh on my Sundays gosh! In Chicago. Oh my god! Oh boy! Yeah, get it going. Or a fettuccine Alfredo. Oh, how do I miss it. that? It's hot with the tray, and uh, yeah, we're not going to look at your bank accounts. I'm going to call you an expert <laughs> until further notice. And Sam, Sam Maxwell, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining the pod. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is a special treat. Certainly, our our, our sister show, I guess, if you want to call it, in Chicago and. Uh, you know, Chris mentioned he's he's actually born and raised in Chicago. Um, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I actually lived in Chicago for about a year and a half. So a lot of East-West, Midwest, Pacific Coast ties in this podcast. We're excited to talk football. We're excited to talk some betting. Look at these look at these connects here. I got I got a family. I got a sister that lives in Madison. I partied up there before. I grew up in Chicago for 25 years. Now I live in Sherman <laughs> Oaks. Maybe we'll debate Pink's hot dogs versus Portillo hot dogs at some there point by go. the end of the there pod. There is no debate. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. But today we're here to talk about Bears-Rams. It's the trilogy. It's round three. Don't get your checkbook out and think that it's going to be a lot of points in this game because the last two years of it's been any indication. It's been a low-scoring game. Let's just start with our general thoughts. Chris, I'd love to hear from you first and then Sam. But Chris, what are your thoughts on this Bears-Rams matchup coming up in Week 7? Yeah, I'm in alignment with you, I think, uh, just like last year. And, and I think this has been the hallmark of kind of the Bears the, full, the whole year is they are able to kind of bring teams down to their level. Uh, they're able to muddy it up. They're able to goon it up a little bit. And the two bets that I like most in this game are the Bears-Rams Bears, Bears Rams under 23 first half at minus 140 around there. I've also seen it at under 21 half at minus 118. And while expensive at minus 140 and under, under 23, I do like that bet still a lot. And the Rams' first quarter money line, the Bears have been slow to get going this entire year. Aaron Donald is going to be rushing right up the middle at Mr. Foles, who, uh, well, I like him, certainly much, much more than I like Mitch. Uh, not the mobilest of fellas, and I think this is going to cause him havoc for what I interpret as a kind of mediocre on their best day Bears offensive line. I agree with you on the first half. Just stay away, Bears fans, from that third quarter because the Bears just finally scored for the first time last <laughs> week. So if you're looking at Bears to win the third quarter, it might be a little bit of a problem. Sam, I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the game? Bears are six-point underdogs right now. They've shown to be a pretty, a pretty healthy dog in terms of the betting world this year. I believe they're 3-0 and on the road so far when they are a dog. What do you see in this game? 
you know, it's a really interesting game, and, and the Bears are a really interesting team, of course, at, at five and one. But um, I think across the industry, most people expect them to kind of regress to the mean a little bit. I don't think anyone expects them to go out and beat the Packers for this division. But this is certainly one of those games that uh, a lot of people will be watching. If they perform well, um, they could be one of those teams that you kind of look towards the second half of the season and want to bet on them. Um, you know, we always talk about in our podcast, Joey, that um, for a prime time game, teams coming from either central time zone or eastern time zone, traveling west it's usually a very large disadvantage for them it's not as big of a disadvantage um, when it's an afternoon start time but of course this one's Monday Night Football that's certainly something to look out for um, and you know this total is very low we've seen scores uh, extremely high throughout the season here um, partially because of COVID um, not having the offseason to work through not having any training camp the overs have been killing it Chris and I are historically uh, unders betters but this year it's been uh, you know, I just can't find myself in good faith taking any unders because it just seems like every time you look a new team is scoring. Uh, of course, both these teams have elite defensive superstars with Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. But uh, I do think that both these teams are going to be able to move the ball relatively consistently. I don't think either one of these defenses are going to shut this team on the other side down. So I actually like the over here, 45. I'm going a bit against the grain there, um, which is odd because usually the overs are, are very public bets. But in this particular game, just given the history, uh, a lot of teams or a lot of guys are, are taking the under here. I actually like the total to go over 45. And that 45 number, it just seems a little low. It's like that, that chum in the water just a little bit. And, Sam, I'm just going to bring it right back to you for this one just to follow up on that. The Bears have been so schizophrenic this season where they have made betters very happy. But in terms of the swings in their games, they have been pretty wild. What's your general philosophy out there for Bears fans that maybe want to get their beak wet a little bit this weekend in terms of live betting? Because clearly the Bears in the first half have looked completely different at times in the second half in the same game. And in terms of, you know, six-point underdogs right now, how are you looking at them from a live betting perspective in week seven? Yeah, that's a great question. Both these teams, it's been really hard to figure out, you know, who they are with the Bears. You, you said it very eloquently that they've, uh, they've, they've performed well in terms of against the spread, but it, it's, it's a tough team to really understand. And it really kind of goes back to that week two, right, where uh, Nick Foles replaced Mitch Trubisky and they were losing. It looked like they were destined to, to lose that game and be a pretty average team all season. And just like that, they come back, they, they get the victory. Uh, I believe it was against the Giants and, and they haven't looked back since there. And, and um, it, it's really hard to figure out both these teams because the Rams, uh, you know, having that four and two record, but they've been kind of uh, getting fat off playing NFC East teams. So we don't really know exactly what kind of team uh, the Rams are. I feel like it's kind of a crossword for both teams. It's uh, I can't in good faith tell you how to live bet this game without obviously seeing it and, and, uh, and analyzing it. But I, I can tell you that there will be opportunities to bet on both these teams. Um, I'm actually, I kind of like the Bears to cover the six total here. So if you do see the Rams, uh, if, if, if Chris's bet comes true there and they get that first quarter money line, uh, I do like taking it back the other way and hedging it by taking the Bears or taking some live overs uh, if that first quarter, the first couple of drives are slow. Those are the two things that I'm going to be looking at for. And Chris, just to push your answer a little bit further, you talked about how you liked the first quarter in terms of the live betting, you know, are you just really, you just really liking that number in there in that first quarter because of the slow starts, would you could maybe be interested in dipping your toes in that second half, or that's just something that maybe is a bit of a stay away for you this week? It always depends, right? It depends how the game is going. Uh, and oftentimes that, in, that means you end up fading the public, right? So if the Bears or the Rams come out and they're lighting the world on fire and they're moving the ball up and down and, you know, the Bears score, it's 21-3 at half, right? The people, public, I think, has a tendency to, to jump on that momentum, right, and say, okay, they're going to keep it going. I let, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, uh, the Rams or the Bears are up 21-3 and the Bears are getting three points in the third quarter. Like, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to jump on that, right? Don't be afraid to George Costanza it and 
do the opposite of what your first inclination is. Because when you do that, you are often putting your money down on what is a more advantageous and more valuable and more priced correctly bet. And take your feelings out of it, right? Like I have feelings too on things. Like my best bet this week was the Bills minus 11. That's because I think the Jets stink, right? I think they absolutely stink. So um, that's not mathematical. But what I'm saying is, is that when you're live betting, you can get tons of great value when you try and disassociate your feelings from what the numbers are actually telling you. And there's some patterns with this Bears team that have developed a little bit that I think are a little bit different from Bears teams of the past. We talked all about the fourth quarter heroics. We did briefly mention that they finally scored the first points in the third quarter that they have all season, but they've been a wildly efficient team in the final two minutes of games. Yep. Just what you're talking about, like putting those points on the board at the end of the half, building that momentum can really kind of swing all of a sudden the emotions that are going into what a live bet might look like moving forward in the second half. Chris, I want to start off with you. Just give Bears fans, sometimes we're just watching the Bears games. We're not watching the rest of the NFL. So help out the rest of the audiences. What have you just seen from the Rams this season? I, you, I mean, I think they look a lot, a lot. Now, they have feasted on the NFC East, so that is one thing. But they just look so much better than last year. Last year, Goff looked lost. He looked like just a slightly better version of Mitch Trubisky, like a guy who didn't know what the offense was doing, didn't know what was going on. Um, looked like the maybe the worst contract in the NFL. I think he was the third or fourth highest paid QB and just looked awful last year. Um, and the, in fact, in the game last year, he had no touchdowns and interception against the Bears. But this, I you know, and I and I kind of tip my hat to to McVay, and this is I think a foil to Nagy, right? Is both these guys were kind of you know wonderkin coaches, right? Like just getting all this praise heaped upon them. But in the NFL, right, you come in, you're doing something, or maybe you have schemes that, that the rest of the league hasn't seen, and then they adjust to you, right? And I feel like Nagy really hasn't made the reaction to the adjustments the NFL has made to him, whereas this season in particular, I feel like McVay has. I feel like he's got that team playing and schemed correctly, and I just don't see them going out there and kind of looking lost at times. Well, I think the Bears have turned the corner a little bit in that regard, especially if Nagy lets Foles kind of run things, because that's a guy who knows what he's doing. I just, I feel like the Rams are well-prepared and I feel like you beat good teams, right? So they feasted on the NFC East. That's what you should do, right? You should beat the snot out of those teams. You shouldn't have to come from behind to beat the Giants uh, like the Bears have. So for the Bears fans that, that maybe haven't seen the Rams, um, anybody who listens to Believe in Betting LA knows that uh, I praise Aaron Donald religiously. He is he is so, so good. Enjoy watching him play this game. Enjoy watching him chase Nick Foles down from the interior of the defensive line. And you're bringing up a great point where I, I would talk about this a lot on the pod when we talk about the Bears and Matt Nagy. There is a little bit of a conviction versus arrogance going on with yep. his play calling and his scheming. And we saw it even last year with McVay where McVay was, I'm going to, yeah, like you said, I'm going to blow it out. I've got all these great screams and great play calls, but what did they do to beat the Bears? Goff only threw the ball 18 times last year, yep. and they just ran it down their throats. They're able to change their game plan and cater it to their opponent. The Bears and Matt Nagy, I can't quite say that consistently that is the case either. Sam, I'd love to hear from you what you've seen from the Rams so far this year. 2018, it was the Todd Gurley show. McVay looked like a genius last year. As Chris already mentioned, they took a kind of a step backwards. This year, maybe a half step forwards. What are you seeing from the Rams? Yeah, absolutely. Look, they, they've blown away even my highest expectations for them in our, our yep. preseason show. Both Chris and I confidently took their season total under, actually. Uh, and part of the premise was that they have a very difficult schedule this year. This division, uh, we think, is one of the best in the NFL. Of course, the Seahawks look like uh, the favorite in the NFC. Uh, you've got a renaissance year. 
for the Cardinals and, and the Niners. We, we knew they were going to take a step back, but they're still a very formidable foe, as the Rams found out last week. Um, something to watch for with this Rams team. They have a three-headed monster uh, backfield, and it's, it's very difficult to know who is going to get the ball this year. Uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been all Daryl Henderson. He's been efficient. He's been explosive. Uh, he's questionable right now with an injury. He didn't practice yesterday, uh, and I, I think he's truly a game-time decision in this game. Uh, if he is out, I think you can confidently take some props for uh, Malcolm Brown and maybe even Cam Akers in the over. Uh, and then the, the Rams also have uh, two very effective tight ends in Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Higby is also questionable with an injury. So if he's out, look for Gerald Everett to have a nice game. So those are a couple of props you can look for based on injury news that we're going to hear certainly later today uh, or tomorrow. But the Rams have a lot of weapons. As Chris mentioned, Aaron Donald's one of the best players, most fun players to watch in the NFL. But my shout out is going to be to 37-year-old starting left tackle Andrew Whitworth, He's actually the highest rated offensive tackle in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. It's amazing to see a player with that kind of effectiveness at his age. Uh, the Rams signed him off the street from Cincinnati just a few years ago. Uh, it's been one of those kind of under-the-radar signings, and he's been fantastic. So uh, there's a lot of star power across the field for both of these teams. Uh, should be a really fun game. Yeah, I think it's safe to say Whitworth's been a revelation. I mean, we're talking about our, a revolution on the offense with McVay and Gurley. I think bringing up Whitworth is such a great insight. We're talking props right now. So, Chris, I want to ask you, over under three and a half sleeping pills in Aaron Donald's <laughs> lunch to have him miss the game on Monday. Uh, I'm not sure. Will it take more, have, take more than that? Yeah, I think it might be 30 and a half. Did you uh, – Oh, what game was it last week or the week before they showed uh, a picture of Aaron Donald with his shirt off? And this is a guy who I think is like, you know, 305 pounds and he's just cut from stone. I mean, it's absolutely stupid. Um, Aaron Donald too. I have a soft spot for him because I think if he would have dropped another spot or two, the bears could have had him and the city of Chicago would just be frothing over a defensive lineman like that. That is just, you know, wreaking havoc everywhere. Um, but yes, I think I think it's going to take over three and a half to get him to uh, to a oversleep or b or b sleepwalk through this one for sure. You heard it here first. Yeah, Donald went the pick right before. Some years later, Quentin Nelson went a pick right before the Bears. You know, we've been, that's a kind of another guy that's sort of been salivating over us. Just in general, with either of you guys, maybe Sam will go first. Just kind of a random question, but are you guys ever in on betting over under on sacks? That's such a hard thing to kind of pinpoint. Even when you look at a player like Aaron Donald, he's got seven and a half on the season. An in-game prop on a sack can – it just seems like kind of a dicey proposition because obviously defensive linemen can impact the game in so many different ways besides just getting to the quarterback. Right, and look, it's one of those things that's very difficult to do uh, before the game. If you're going to look for anything in regards to sacks, I would look for in-game live props because you can see exactly how they're going to scheme the offensive line. Look, you know, Chris is a former collegiate – offensive lineman himself, he, he can probably recognize and say, hey, they're scheming away from Aaron Donald. They're rolling out to the right side or whatever. Uh, but if you if you can in-game notice that, hey, they're actually leaving him on an island or you know this particular right tackle is getting beaten every single time. It's just only a matter of time before that right end or whatever goes in there and gets a sack. That's something I think you can identify in-game. Uh, you know, it's also the same thing with, uh, let's say, a wide receiver. If they're consistently getting easy targets over the middle of the field, you can identify that whatever slot corner is not doing a great job or preventing him from getting through in zone coverage. Those are things in game I think you can do but, uh, but ahead of the time you just you just don't know how these offense or defensive coaches will scheme it and it's really risky to put your money on something where you don't have innate knowledge of what's going to happen yeah there's always excellent opportunities in the secondary where you can kind of tell by the second quarter whether a team is kind of picking on a guy trying to exploit him and also in those third quarter fourth quarter situations when one of their top dudes has to go to the sideline with an injury and someone new comes in 
you kind of can get automatically you can tell maybe where those targets are going to go. Um, I'm learning something new, Chris, uh, collegiate offensive lineman in your day. That's, that's awesome to hear. Uh, I'm going to trigger myself right now. Talk to me about the bears offensive line and what you've seen. Cause what I look on the film, it has not been pretty and I'm terrified for this Monday. So collegiate defensive lineman, however, high school offensive lineman. Uh, but I played on undersized, basically undersized linemen my entire life. My feeling on the Bears offensive line is that what makes them okay at times is that they've been together for a while. A lot of those guys have been on the team and, and they kind of know each other. And that is a vastly underrated and kind of understood. I think part of NFL offensive lines is you just know the weaknesses of the guy next to you and you very much become a unit. Um, it's very much you move as kind of one. You know when you're playing certain guys that this guy has trouble on this. And the scheme might not call for it, but if you have to kind of chip block off somebody um, and help your guy out, it's, it's kind of that in-game, you've got a second to react, what are you going to do? And I think that's when the Bears can kind of excel uh, on the offensive line. I just don't think the talent's there. Um, I'm sad that, that kind of Kyle Long had a, an, what I would think is an early retirement Um you know, that is a guy that, that got moved around too much, right? Like they should have left him at guard for 10 years and Kyle Long should have been the left guard or the right guard for the Chicago Bears for 10 years, pancaking people. They moved him around too much. And I just, that I'd like to see those guys just stay in their positions. And I get injuries, injuries happen. You got to move like that's the nature of playing offensive line, those sorts of things. But, you know, uh, the only, maybe the only thing I will give Mitch Trubisky is he played against a substandard offensive line and a coach that refused to, build his game plan around his talents at all. Uh, and the foil to that is in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's offense is built around his talent level and what he can do completely. And you saw the success they've had last year, and they're doing all right this year too. Nagy didn't do that. So in a, in a way, I feel for him because the offensive line is, is playing maybe not to their strengths um, when, you're, when you're under-talented a little bit too. But um, – it's, it's one of those things that's where, you know, it's, it's an old, old saying, but that's where the game is won and lost, right? Is the offensive and defensive lines. And it pains me at time to watch Bears quarterbacks for just, my God, for years, especially poor Jay Cutler. And I mean that honestly, poor Jay Cutler, that guy got the snot beat out of him forever in six step drops and professional linemen. Thanks Mike Martz. Yeah. So <laughs> It is what it is, uh, and that's why I think the, the Aaron Donald matchup is going to be very interesting. Uh, and to your point about kind of betting sacks, you're probably going to want to take the under, even on a guy like Donald, because it's going to be priced so hard to the over, right? So, so you're just going to be getting such good value. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the ends, right, are the guys that are, that, are, that are getting the sacks. Well, Donald's just double-teamed the whole game because Nagy has decided that this guy's not going to beat us. Right. And so they just double team him the whole game and Donald says, fine, I'm happy to, to take up two offensive linemen and, and do my job. Yeah. I always just find it. It's kind of like one of the hardest things to sort of pinpoint, even when you're like in doing Super Bowl props and stuff, it's one of the hard, the hardest thing to pinpoint and get a profit. And you're bringing up such a great point with the Baltimore Ravens where they literally put their playbook. I feel like in a paper shredder, yep, the moment Lamar Jackson became quarterback and with this Bears team, I mean, this has been happening for years in terms of moving guys around. Look what happened last year where, you know, they had Cody, Cody Whitehair at guard and they had James Daniels at center. And halfway through the season, Trubisky or whatever was trying to be like, well, Whitehair's the guy making the calls at the line of scrimmage. Why isn't he the center? In terms of Kyle Long moving around, I didn't even think they had him at tackle at times. So, yep. you know, continuity, yes, where the, the players are still on the roster. But in terms of continuity of the guys staying in one spot, hasn't always necessarily been the case. And now you got Rashad Coward who filled in at right guard last year. Now he's at left guard. 
I do a show, Believe in Bears, with former uh, Chicago Bears offensive lineman Cameron Lee, and he just talks about the concept of offensive linemen, when you get to switch sides, it's almost like writing left-handed and writing left-handed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this whole concept of, you know, you got to switch the whole thing and do everything completely on the opposite side. So I'm just kind of scared a little bit. I think it's going to be a really interesting team effort, hopefully heavy sets, a lot of chipping, just trying to give him enough time and maybe be able to make a couple of plays, kick some field goals. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game, unfortunately, (laughs) Sam. I mean, like a Bears, I, that sounds like a Bears game plan, by the way. I know. I'm looking at, like, it, it's it, for me personally, it looks like a 19-13 to me. I was talking to Cameron the other night, and Sam, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this because you said that you're feeling the over on, the, on it. But it just feels like that the threshold in this game is 23, that if the Rams get to 23 or 24 in this game, I just think the Bears' chances of winning just go down exponentially. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And, um, you know, if you, if you think it's a, a rough sliding for the, the Bears offensive line, think about the, what the Raiders are going through right now. Uh, starting, <laughs> starting right tackle, Trent Brown's out. Their entire starting offensive line due to contact tracing has not been able to practice at all this week. So uh, it's been an interesting year with, with interesting challenges for, for lines really across the board. So um, I forget exactly what your question was, but just, just wanted to kind no, of – No, it's okay. Bring, bring oh, it back real quick, real quick follow-up, uh, just a side tangent, and then I want to get back to some player props and Bears-Rams. You know, what do you do with this Raiders game? Is this just a giant stay away for you guys personally? Just real quick. Yeah, I've really been trying to figure that out because, you know, the, the Bucks are actually a team that I'm considering for a couple of survivor pools, and uh, normally I wouldn't. But really just in listening to everyone break this down, and Damian Woody on ESPN, former offensive lineman for a long time, um, is it was kind of just said, like, there, there's just no way this offensive line is going to be ready – uh, for this game, I mean, you, you can't look. We're doing this this podcast over Zoom, and we're doing a good job doing it. But can you prepare to take on a, an incredible defensive line via Zoom? And, and and the answer is no. And you know that's if they get everyone back. So, uh, you know, with, with all these different COVID games, it's been really difficult because sometimes I I just go and absolutely hammer uh, the absolute max on, on whatever my gut is telling me. That happened a, a few weeks ago uh, in in a couple games, but. You know, sometimes things change very quickly. Guys come back, you don't expect them to, or they get moved to Tuesday, you have an extra day of prep or whatever. So it's difficult to, to really give a, a good estimation of, of what to do here. But I do like the Bucks in this game. I like them to cover that four-point spread that we're seeing. Uh, I think that continuity and, and practice time for offensive lines are uh, absolutely paramount, and, and we're not seeing any of that for the Raiders th- so far this week. And Chris, real quick, I just want to hear your thoughts on Bucks Raiders because, you know, the Raiders, they're coming off a bye week. They just beat the Chiefs. Holy cow, momentum. The Buccaneers, some mixed messages in the way they, they played their game so far this season. Now this COVID news with the O-line, is this a stay away for you or is this something that you're kind of monitoring and then maybe seeing whether you're going to step in on it or not? It's, it's more of a – it's going to be a last-minute thing, and it's more of a stay away because I don't want to put in the time to properly – kind of handicap and value the bets in this game only to have it not be played or to have it be voided or changed. Uh, and this is something Sam and I say in our podcast and in instances like this, make sure you're reading the fine print a little bit at your book. Um, a lot of these will be, you know, uh, somebody must play or must start or something. And then it gets voided if it's not, even though it's not related to the bets you were making. So be careful about things like that. You don't want to, you don't want to put your money down and then, and then kind of get a, get a bad beat on it. But you know what, I'm going to wait up until they get close to game time and I'm definitely going to check in on it because if things are offsides, I will, I will happily take it right before, but leading up to it, it's not, it's not going to be worth it. It's just, there's too many balls in the air and I got enough, I got enough going on in my life, especially with fantasy and checking people and who's injured, who's not injured. What's wrong with this guy? You got to so get that uh, chicken cream soup ready. You got to get that right, soup ready. That's right, my cream and chicken rice. rice. <laughs> yeah, cream and chicken rice. You got to get that thing ready, ready to roll. Um, guys, I want to hit some player props with you. We're going to do a little bit of an either or. 
I want you to talk about whether you like the bet and whether you like the value and which one you perhaps would probably step in on. Chris, we'll go hit you first. I want to ask you, we've got um, a couple different websites here giving out information. So if, you're, if you've got different lines and numbers, please let me know. But uh, I got Jimmy Graham plus 225 to score a touchdown. Cole Komet plus 900 to score a touchdown. Which one do you like? Obviously, the value is with Cole Komet, but which one do you think is more likely in week seven? I wouldn't do the first touchdown, but I would actually take the Cole Komet plus 900 uh, over, over the plus 250 of Jimmy Graham. And do I think it's more likely that he's going to score? No, probably not. But what I do know is that that is a better value overall because both of these things, relatively speaking, are going to be unlikely. Um, although I do think Cole is getting more and more involved in the offense. Also, shout out to Cole Komet, St. Viator graduate, Arlington Heights, Illinois, alma mater of myself. So i uh, like to see him do well, and I just, I just like the value. If both these things are, are a bit of long shots, I'm going to take Cole uh, and take that plus 900 versus a plus 250 that should probably go more like Jimmy Graham plus 300. And the reason why I kind of bring this up is because you look at the Rams' defense, and they've got a lot of numbers that are really scary for opposing offenses, but they give up the eighth most receptions to tight ends. They give up the fifth most receiving yards to running backs. Lo and behold, that's actually the type of stuff that the Chicago Bears offense likes to do. Yep. So there is a theory where if the Bears can come out and do it better, more efficient, the way they've already been playing, perhaps these are the type of players that can get in on the action. Sam, are you in line with Chris on this one? And my question is just kind of, is this kind of that moment with Cole Komet where you're just kind of keeping your eye on him a little bit where last week, granted, only two catches, one of them in the end zone for a touchdown. That's going to make, you know, that's going to make it into the newspapers. But is this this moment where maybe that rookie tight end starts getting involved a little bit more? You can be kind of ahead of the curve before being behind the curve on a particular bet. No, I'm going to go ahead and disagree here with Chris. You know, I, I, I'm a big fantasy football player. And, and one of my just, just, you know, principles of how I play fantasy football is just a auto total fade on rookie tight ends. It's notoriously the most difficult position to come in and make an impact from day one. Uh, the intricacies of the position are immense. And that's why you see so many major breakouts in year two, year three, and year four uh, for tight ends. And when it comes to these props, you have to look at the snap percentages. Yeah. Uh, Cole Komet, great player. Uh, you know, obviously hypes coming out of college and, and did catch the touchdown last week, but you know, he's still only playing in the, in the high in the mid to high thirties of total snap percentages in the season. And, and that's really hasn't gone up very much over the course of the season. He's gone uh, from 31 in week one to 35 now uh, last week. So he's still not seeing the field enough to really make an impact, even though the value may be there. I mean, we're seeing Jimmy Graham on the, on the other side of the spectrum playing uh, in the mid to high 60s and even to the 70s of total snap percentages. He has uh, obviously a lot more targets, a lot more routes run, and he has four touchdowns this season. So um, it's a good thing to attack in fantasy, certainly. Um, I, I don't think either one of these guys necessarily a great bet to get a touchdown, but it is something that where if you're in a pinch and need a spot start for a tight end, um, you know, it, it's funny. It's Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski are both in the consensus top 10 ratings for tight ends this season. Uh, what year is it? Is this 2011? I mean, we have both these guys in 2020 making huge impacts. It's, it's pretty remarkable to see. Uh, tight end is just, it's again, one of those positions where very difficult to make an impact earlier in career. And, and as we see again and again, guys go into their mid to even late 30s and still make an impact. So it's just one of those positions like quarterback uh, where you see a lot of old veterans coming back and making impacts for different teams. Yeah, I had a buddy uh, who I'm playing in fantasy this week. Shout out to that buddy who I'm about to beat. But he's got Adrian Peterson, Jimmy Graham, and Deshaun Jackson in his lineup. Granted, it's bye weeks, but I'm looking at this thing, and I'm just like, 
holy shit what is this 2012 oh my god this is awesome this is a a blast from the past let's put on some kings of leon or something let's have a good time uh sam we're going to come back to you i'm just going to give you a list and the lines for bears receivers to score touchdown you could say none of them you could pick one of them or you could just give a value that you like a whole lot but we got Allen robinson at plus 125 to score a touchdown i got uh anthony miller plus 275 anthony mooney plus 300 Cordero patterson plus 450 out of all those guys, who do you like the most to perhaps find the end zone in week seven? None of them at all, or is there value that you're looking at that you like as well? Well, the low-hanging fruit would obviously be to take Allen Robinson. He's getting force-fed targets, and, and he's truly established himself as a true bona fide wide receiver one. Uh, it's a shame to see his talents just being wasted throughout his entire career with both the Jaguars. But really, starting with Penn State, then going to Jacksonville, and then, of course, now with Chicago. One of these days, he's going to play with an elite quarterback, and we'll see exactly uh, what he's made of. You know, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Anthony Miller. I, I love the talent coming out of Memphis. I think he's an explosive player. For whatever reason, Matt Nagy doesn't feel like he needs to get him on the field very much. Um, and I would like to avoid coverage of Jalen Rams, who I do expect to be on Allen Robinson for the most part. He's a very physical receiver. He's going to do very well, I think, against Allen Robinson. So scary matchup there. Um, you know, Darnell Mooney has been playing a lot and I know the Bears like him. He's a, he's a speedster and, and he's been on the field most importantly. And so um, I do think that you, you take the value there with either Anthony Miller, uh, hoping that talent wins out in the plays hopefully this week uh, or Darnell Mooney. I don't think you touch Cordell Patterson. He's not giving enough targets through the air. He's, he's obviously kind of the replacement for Terry Cohen uh, m- more likely than not. So uh, I would take either Darnell Mooney or my, my favorite there, Anthony Miller. My personal opinion on Anthony Miller, and I do like the call because, you know, he can pop at any second, and they are going to have to take maybe one or two shots down the field and see if they can hit home. But there's just something going on with Anthony Miller and Coach Nagy where it's got to be off the field something because last year it was a little bit some of the penalties, some of the drops. This year now he's all of a sudden he's kind of putting out veiled comments about route running, which is kind of going maybe, uh, you know, matriculating back to Anthony Miller. And I'm just watching Demetrius Harris drop passes left and right up, up yes. there on the field, and his leash is so long. But when Anthony Miller messes up, you, he goes away for multiple drives. So there's definitely something going on there that kind of has me scratching my head a little bit because, honestly, when the Bears win football games, he's catching touchdowns. I mean, there's, there's a correlation there, and I think you need to try and get him involved as quick as you can. They tried to run him in motion a lot last week as a bit of a decoy. Didn't really work out. Chris, I do want to ask you real quick. I'm just going to run them back down for you. Uh, A-Rob plus 125, Anthony Miller plus 275, Mooney plus 300, Cordero Patterson plus 450. Who do you like out of all those receivers to perhaps score a touchdown in week seven? I would do Mooney or, or Miller. And you're right. It's how vintage Bears is it to, you know, Anthony Miller's not a world beater, but I think he's a very respectable number two wide receiver. And the Bears are treating it like they got all this talent at wide receiver. They can just not play him. Uh, because, you know, with this embarrassment of riches we have, like, give me a break, Maggie, get him on the field. Uh, Value-wise, Cordella Patterson should be, like, plus 800, so that's that's just not enough. Um, Robinson is going to see Ramsey the entire game, and I do think if, if – Fole, I think Foles likes Miller, and I think if Miller's out there, he's going to feed him the ball. So uh, I do like the price on him, and I like the price on Mooney, although Mooney should probably even be a little bit more. He should be, like, plus 350. Uh, but it's a value play again. It's not what I think is going to happen. Allen Robertson's going to see the most targets, but you know, it's plus one twenty-five is just not is just not a fair enough price. It should be with a guy like Ramsey on him. It should be you know plus one seventy-five, plus two hundred. 
This is great pieces of information, you guys. I want to get you out of here on two more things. The first one is let's just open up the forum a little bit. Chris, if you'd like to go first, just give uh, just give the Bears fans and the good people listening to this podcast a couple of plays outside of the Bears-Rams game that you like a whole lot this week, some matchups that you got kind of got a little bit circled on your whiteboard. What are you looking at in week seven? So your uh, listeners are going to say, are you sure this guy is a Bears fan? Are you sure he's from Chicago? Um, he loves two the Packers this week. He loves yes, the Packers this week. Yeah. I do. Packers money line is a great bet. And as I said in our, our Believe in Betting LA podcast, I've got a teaser. Lions plus eight half, Saints minus one half, 49ers plus eight, Chargers minus one half. So Packers money line and then that teaser uh, are my two favorite bets this week. Sam, uh, what do you got your eye on in the NFL in week seven? This is actually not, not the first time Chris has taken Packers money line. So, yeah, right. he's, he's cer- <laughs> certainly not the Bears homer that he, uh, that he sees himself hammer as. Him, hammer him. Um, yeah, look, on our show, uh, Believe in Betting LA, we, we take uh, a side on, on the Chargers, the Rams, every single week, and we each take a best bet. So, um, I already told you I like the over in the Bears-Rams. And in terms of the Chargers game, I actually like the Jags going there and cover plus seven and a half. Uh, the, the Chargers have been – uh, in a one-possession game for every single game this year. They seem to play up or down to their competition. I think this week they're going to end up beating but not covering against the Jaguars. And my best bet is also a teaser. Uh, Chris and I both like Lions plus 8.5, but I'm also taking Steelers plus 7.5. Uh, I think a lot of people, not enough people are talking about uh, the Titans losing offensive tackle, very good offensive tackle, Taylor Lewan. Uh, and, and look, this Steelers defense brings more pressure than anyone in the NFL. Their defensive front is very stout. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how Ryan Tannehill is playing at an MVP level, plays against the kind of pressure that the Steelers certainly will bring. So I like the Steelers plus seven and a half and the Lions plus eight and a half. What's intriguing about that Steelers game is they, they ran the ball really effectively last week. You would think Steelers Titans, it's going to be a ground and pound fest with Derrick Henry. Can they stop Derrick Henry? But the Steelers, now with Chase Claypool in the mix, looks like they're going to get Deontay Johnson back this week. Every single week, Big Ben in the media keeps saying, we got to get Juju involved. We got to get Juju involved. Well, now against this Titans secondary, he actually has a bit of a green light matchup to make that happen. I'm really curious if they stick to that game plan of let's just keep running the ball, taking our shots, Big Ben just being that pro back there, or seeing if maybe they can turn the clock back a little bit and get back to that 2017-2018 Steelers team that was able to move the ball downfield. We're going to get you guys out of here on this. This is just a philosophical question, and this is for, I think, the amateur betters out there, or maybe the people that are just getting involved in it for the first time. And I'm just personally seeing this among friends more than I ever had in any other season is that eight-team and ten-team parlays is trending right now. Maybe that's just my circle. I don't know. But I just want to ask you guys, what are your basic tenants, philosophies when you go in and you look at an eight to 10 team? You know, Chris, you were talking about teases. You know, what do you, what, what are the main things that you do when you look at, besides obviously the individual matchups, which change every single week? That part's obvious, but are there a few like little principles that you have in terms of, you know, how many you're willing to tease, how many underdogs you have in there, how many home dogs you have in there, so on and so forth? How do you build an eight, ten, eight to 10 team parlay? And what's your best advice for those amateur betters out there? I think the answer is you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank yeah. you. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, Listen, betting is supposed to be fun. Uh, I think for 99.8% of us, betting is just a good time. And if you want to throw 50 bucks down on 10 teams to win and, you know, get the, the you know, the five minutes of fame on Twitter where, you know, this guy won $125,000 on this, Go with God, right? Um, good for you. The thing I will say if you're going to do that is these are very important when you're betting. And this is, this is something that we say with teasers. 
you need to run the number through the three and the seven. So if you're going to do a 10-teamer, see if you can find 10 teams that are plus three and a half or minus three, right? That hook is so, so important. So if you're going to do something like that, try and get games that are in that range where you're not paying three and a half, seven and a half, anything like that, uh, because you would be surprised at how important that half point is. Yeah, I love that answer very much because I'm sort of just scratching my head. <laughs> and every single week I keep getting texts from different buddies being like, I want to get in a 10 team. It's just like, dude, you want your night to be over? Your week's over on Thursday night? What are we doing? Yeah. We're going with Jack. We're going with Broncos on Thursday night. Sam, just your quick uh, your thoughts on an 8 to 10 team. And uh, even if you are on the side of Chris of, hey, don't do it, what would be maybe some principles or some easy steps that you would take to uh, possibly, you know, win that 82 grand and get that five minutes of fame? Yeah, Chris took the words right out of my mouth. I would never in good conscience recommend taking an eight to 10 team teasers. Look, if you're in the business of losing money, you might as well go buy a bar or a restaurant because those <laughs> things are going to fail at the exact same rate as a teaser or a parlay of that magnitude. Um, it, it's just not a good investment. It's like, it's like taking Alabama tomorrow minus 1500, you know, betting $1,500 to win 100. It's just, it's just bad business. You know, we, we all think Alabama is going to win tomorrow, but uh, you know, those public teams and and those kind of those things just don't consistently bring back returns. And uh, as Chris mentioned, we're, we're here first and foremost to have a good time with betting it. It supplements and enhances our our viewing pleasure for a lot of these games, but you also want to make money or at least you don't want to lose money. And those 80, 10 team parlays are money losers. And so that's not something that we can get behind. Certainly not. They're the experts that believe in betting LA, Sam Maxwell, Chris Lewert. Guys, thank you so much for being on the pod. Chris, if you don't mind, please tell the good people about Edgefinder Sports and what it brings to the table and how it could really help them, not just this weekend, but moving forward in, the, in their betting lives. Yeah, so very quick background. My, my very, very, very minor claim to fame is I am one-third of the group at Stag Capital that won the inaugural Super Contest Gold in 2017 out in Las Vegas. And after we won that, we were constantly asked from friends and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends, who are you betting this week? Who are you betting this week? Who are you betting this week? And I'm a friendly guy, so I tended to answer all those things. And the next thing I knew, I was spending borderline hours a week answering these things and trying to explain why, right, about everything I was doing. So what we decided to do was just automate it. So we launched edgefindersports.com to give people an opportunity to see what we're betting in near real time. So stuff that we're putting our actual money down, hundreds of dollars on every bet, gets published to our private Slack channel. So you can see what we're betting and you can see how the price of the bet should be so that you know if you're going to bet something like that, you can get a similar price and you can ask questions. So edgefindersports.com has become kind of our new hobby. And if you're serious about betting or you're not serious about betting, uh, come jump in, ask some questions and learn a little bit. Well, I'm converted. Thank you so much, you guys, for for joining the show. My name is Joy Christopoulos. This was Believe in Betting Chicago. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. All this information you just absorbed, keep it in the sponge and then take it right over to BetOnline.ag and get in on the action this weekend or go to edgefindersports.com to get all those inside tips that you're going to need to know to hopefully make some cash this weekend in week seven. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. Hope to have you back on the pod sometime soon. Until then, everyone, have a great weekend. Be safe, be well, be kind to each other, and we will talk then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.